Welcome to the Casa de Confidence podcast, a podcast for women about going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. I am a dreamer, a traveler, visionary, risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, a supporter of women in their dreams. If you've stumbled into our casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, I'm so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Hey, Julie, how you doing? Good morning, Dan. How's everyone out there doing? I will hope they're not snowed in and frozen like we are today. Oh, when did it start snowing? Mm, it's been it's not, snowing. It's not supposed to snow today, yeah, was it? it's supposed to snow all How day much today. is it supposed to snow? Oh, I don't know, but we have snow on the ground. We got about oh 12 to 18 inches, depending who you ask. Yes, we got that last week, mm. earlier this week. Last week, it was Wednesday. Earlier, it was Wednesday, yes. And now, mm. yeah, we got we got like uh, 13 inches here in Vernon, Connecticut. Hmm. Well, it's going to be in the 50s mm-hmm. on Thursday and on the 50s on Friday with 70% chance of rain. Hey, Julia, what's in your cup as you watch the snowfall? In my um, snowman cup, I am having some coffee with something unusual <laughs> in it. What? Mm-hmm. What is unusual about what you put in your coffee? Well, I typically drink it black. And right now, I am drinking coffee with a touch of hazelnut almond milk. <laughs> Not a fan. I'm sorry, I'm watching the dogs right now. Simba just took down Yogi. Now, for people that don't know, Yogi's about 18, 20 pounds, 25 pounds. pounds. Simba's all of six pounds, if that. He just took him down. Well, Simba's mad at me because I took off his bells. We're we're watching doggy jujitsu right now. Simba, go lay down, buddy. Oh, oh. oh, he he heard Boom. me jingle his bells. and he, Anyway. He wants to come in my lab. Okay, anyway. he wants to come in my lab. Well, welcome to Casa de Confidence, everybody. Welcome to Casa de Confidence and with Dan, Julie, and the dogs. Are, what are we? We are five days away from hmm. uh, Christmas, right? Five days? Five like days away from Christmas. So, have you finished your Christmas shopping, Julie? I have not finished my Christmas shopping. I actually needed to um, go to the post office, and I did not do that. Well, it's Sunday. You can't do that today. I feel terrible for the postal workers. They seem to be slammed. Oh, I'm sure. So, actually, Hmm. you you know what? I haven't finished my shopping. You know what I'm going to do to figure out what I have to do? What? I'm going to go back and watch our shopping episode our christmas shopping episode oh. well watch did i say watch i gotta listen to it you're gonna listen to actually it. i could watch it because we do have video of most of our episodes we, we do we have just videos. we just don't release that well perhaps it's the zoom videos yeah but perhaps in 2021 uh friends of the show 
we'll get a glimpse of that. And that's one of the things that you and I have been talking about. We've been talking Ooh. about creating a Friends of the Show portal where Friends of the Show get to go and look behind the scenes, watch the videos, look mm -hmm. at the outtakes, and hang out with us. Yes. So we've been uh, we've been talking it over and mulling it as it would be. Um, and we are probably within the first quarter of 2021 mm -hmm. going to put out our own Patreon channel. That's right. And you can join the Patreon channel uh -huh. and come hang out with us. We're going to do once a month. We are going to do the live from Casa de Collins, Casa de Confidence show with Dan and Julie. And you can come and hang out with us, ask questions, mm -hmm. uh, interact. And we will invite some of the past guests to come and maybe hang out with us, too. Ooh, we can have a Where Are They Now episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah something to that effect. So stay tuned for some of the details. But it's going to be a super fun party because we party at Casa de Collins. Hey, Julie. Yes, Daniel. Are you feeling a little anxious? Not really. You feeling a little excited? Should I be feeling a little excited? I think so, because on December 31st is a big day. Oh, it's not I can't wait for December 31st. We need to have a big celebration to bring in 2021. You know why, why that December 31st is a big day is because Julie's book pre-release is happening. Oh, so nervous about that. I can't believe you're talking about that again. I am talking about it again. You know why? Because I know December 31st is your big day every year where you greet in the new year. It's special to you, mm. special to a lot of people, but for you... December 31st, New Year's Eve is my favorite holiday, people. That's how she sets the pace in the theme, in the in the excitement for the upcoming year. I have been joking that we hit pandemic because I did not celebrate and bring in the new year like I normally do, celebrating it. But I was you... in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you brought in the new year in your pajamas? Mm, never. Just oh. last year. Well, okay. So I mean, you were you were with wonderful people. I was with wonderful people, party poopers in every party. Wow, <laughs> all, you're so I, critical. I wasn't. I'm not critical. I just had a different desire. I wanted to go see Pitbull in Miami. He was giving a free concert, and I could find no one to go with me. Julie's used to going out the new year in her dancing shoes. Okay. <laughs> there are two new years, that, other than this one, that I can say have been two new years that were a little different and mellowed. So one new year mm -hmm. is the new year that I, I went skiing in British Columbia, in, and I flew to Vancouver. B.C. And I was actually at the airport in Vancouver, Canada. Mm -hmm. And that's where midnight hit. But typically, technically, if I was on the East Coast, I was flying to, I was in the air when midnight hit. And well, right. you know, I don't know. And that was a really weird year for me. But anyhow, so that was one year. Now, the other year that I did not stay up per se, 
for New Year's, um, to greet the New Year, is when we Who's went. Who's Percy? Per se. Oh, per se. It's when we went to, we went to, um, Can- uh, not Canada, L.A. We went to California. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we were asleep. Well, before midnight struck. Yeah, but we were asleep before midnight but we California had jet time. Lag. But we okay. So let's tell the little story. We'll we'll edit the well, story. Let's shorten it. Let's up. shorten the story. We flew out to California to see one of our favorite bands, Cannabox. They were playing at at Whiskey a Go Go. Good job. Okay, so they were playing at Whiskey A Go Go, and yes. we went with, of course, our friends, the Rouses. So it was Dan, Julie, Rouse, trip, which we tend to have a lot of fun when we take trips together. <laughs> so we, um, first of all, it's important to note that I, when I travel to California, I'd like to be in the first flight out because then you have the whole day there. So. Mike and Arlene booked a flight out of Bradley here in Connecticut for 6 a.m. And I decided to book a 6 a.m. flight also. But I booked a 6 a.m. flight out of New York City. Mm-hmm. So we drove to New York City for a 6 a.m. flight and left our house at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, didn't, the, didn't the Rouses still beat us to the airport? No, we got oh oh yeah that's the, and then we flew. Oh, we into, got there, got yeah, the rental. That's right, and then we picked them up. So we okay, we but we right. both had okay. This is so crazy. We both had layovers in Dallas, except we since we were flying different airlines. Here we thought we were going to meet up in Dallas and different have like terminals. a little drink, but we were in different terminals and we walked all the way to their terminal only to find that we didn't find them and then we didn't even get a drink. Fine. Then we go and we land first in LAX. And then Arlene and Mike were flying into Long Beach, into uh, John Wayne Airport. Fine. This is the long version. No, it is not the long. Okay, fine. Needless to say, we pick them up. Needless to say, we picked them up. We went to the bars early. We all had a little bit to drink. And uh, Julie is like, I gotta go back to the room. Okay, it's, so she sort of kind of. It is I nine. It is nine a.m. Nine so p.m. We because we went for happy hour. We, we started. Prob- we we decided we were oh. gonna get a drink and then we were gonna go out and celebrate New Year's While Eve. It, the drinks were buy one get one. Yeah, they were buy one get one at this Irish bar. So we go in. We're like, okay, buy one get one. But we had not and, had anything and then to we were eat. Like, oh, good. We we both get one drink. It's like no. So we all okay. bought one, got one, but we bought one, got one over. Oh, okay, so what? No, so this is how it went down. The boys got buy one mm. get one, and Dan got one one drink, and then mm-hmm. Mike got one drink out of the buy one get one. Mm-hmm. Arlene and I ordered buy one get one, and we each got two because we're like, oh, why? me and Mike had yeah, one, and me. you guys had four. Fine, yeah. So we had four, two each, two each. <laughs> fine, whatever. And anyway, you know. so Julie, Julie got a little ahead of herself, uh, trying to keep up with professionals. And I was not trying to keep up with professionals. And she goes, I need to go back to the room and rest. I was tired. I got to rest a little bit, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'll walk you back." Which it was about a mile walk, yeah. half uh, three. So I'm like, "Hey guys, I'm going to walk Julie home, and then I'll come and back then I'll and come hang back. out." 
And so, Dan did say to me, he's like, are you not going to stay up for midnight? I'm like, midnight already <laughs> passed. Anyway, we get <laughs> back to not. the room, the hotel room, and she was like, I, I'm going to go... I, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay here until you're out of the bathroom. I and went to wash the, my face. She went to wash her face, went to the bathroom, came back out, and I was out And he, he is asleep with his clothes on. Because, of course, we've been up for almost 24 yep. hours, more than 24 hours. And he's laying diagonally on the bed, like all she, spread so out. I comes, can't even move she, him. So she completely falls, falls asleep. Uh, but in, it's like... 10 o'clock. That's 9.30. It was 9.30. It was California time, so it's actually past just midnight. past midnight right. back home. And uh, <laughs> the and rouses show up. The rouses come in, and like I hear them. 11. 11.30, and, and they're coming in with a bottle of champagne, and Mike is like, hello, like, I people. Thought, I thought you were coming back, and, and I don't even remember and yeah, so, this. So that was the thing. So then, wait, so then Mike is like all like excited because we're going to celebrate. We're uh, going to celebrate with this. is short version of the it story. It is the short version. So Mike so, comes in with this champagne that we're going to open up between the four of us, and I cut. sort of hear him. So then he goes to the bathroom. Who? Mike, Mike goes to the bathroom. And Arlene and sits down on the Arlene bed. Arlene sits down on the bed and falls, falls asleep. asleep. So the next thing you know. All three of us, all three are, of asleep. us are snoring asleep. Mike comes out of the bathroom, pops a cork, and, <laughs> and spends Christmas Eve. New Year's Eve New by Year's, himself. New Year's Eve by himself with Mario Lopez on yeah, TV. Yeah, because he was watching Mario Lopez on TV. And then the next morning. <laughs> We're the big partiers in L.A. <laughs> And then we, when we come out of our hotel room in the morning, it was like 6 a.m. when we got up. It was super early. So then mm-hmm. we go and we go outside. And here is an advertisement for Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Mm-hmm. And it's a cutout of Mario Lopez. And anyway, so needless to say, um, we – but as it's a lovely time in the morning. It was a great time, but she was asleep. I was asleep. When the clock ticked past midnight. Yeah. Anyway. But we we went to the beach and had a nice toast to 2015. We We have pictures of that. We should put the pictures up. Yeah. Anyway, so this year, Julie's going to kick it off with her pre-sale. That's right. So stay tuned, people. Stay tuned tuned. because I cannot wait to celebrate. This has Mm -hmm. been so uh, such an exciting... um, thing like it's been a roller coaster for yeah. sure and and you know so roller anyhow. coasters are sort of not my jam all the time hey julie yes daniel who's our guest this week okay. have we had an episode without a guest yet no we mm-hmm. haven't just episode number one just episode number one and episode number next <laughs> number next before we introduce our guest next week it's just going to be me and julie that's our right. special christmas episode and who knows what we're going to talk about well here's something that we can talk about and i'm going to put this in the facebook group we're going to talk about how socials. long the intro was this week because mm, <laughs> sure. we're blathering on blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. so we we would love to hear how are you going to be spending in your christmas and what are your traditions mm. now you heard about me loving new year's eve and i would love to hear what you love to do during the holidays yeah. Yes. So, yes, y- you can post on social media what mm-hmm. your favorite traditions are, or email Julie at Julie at GoConfidentlyCoaching.com, mm. or email me. 
info at gocompetentlycoaching.com. That's my email? <laughs> I need my own. <laughs> you need your own? We gotta have, What's wrong with info? We're going to have the, the president of the company. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan is the president of the company, people. Yes, it's official, people. It's official. The Dan, name of our company is? Go Confidently Services. And that has LLC. And has the podcast. And I am the president. And that means Julie has to do what I say now. Listen. She's just the talent. When you have a president, do you typically have a cabinet? And you typically have Congress and the judiciary branch that have hey, the balance of power. You know what? I'm going to go get a board. Yeah, no, I know how that. government works. I, mm-hmm. I went to Boy State back in high school. Oh, my goodness. Listen, um, our Some guest. people who don't know what Boy State is. Speaking speaking of, of high school Whoa. for you. Um, high school for me? Yeah, high school for you. Our guest in you, you and our guest have something in common. We do? Did mm-hmm. we go to tech school? You both went to tech school. I didn't know that she went to tech school. Which school did you go to? Well, she was in Ohio, so I don't remember quite. She might have said it in the interview, but this is a technical high school. She went to or a college. technical high school. Oh, cool. She went to a technical high school. What up, um, techers? And she is just an admirable young woman. I met her because we have a um, a, co- a mutual friend, and our mutual friend is the first woman Latina pilot for the Air Force. And cool. she connected Ashley Gabrulia Maldonado. <laughs> and oh, I, oh. Julie hacks up our guest's name. Well, you, why don't you say her name then? I, don't, I, I, I heard her say it. We're going to hear her say it again. Okay. So she um, went to a tech school and then she was in the community college and she joined the Army National Guard. And she is just remarkable. Talk about a confident woman. She um, has started a, a legioneer. She started as a legioneer. She works for the vet administration and has set up veteran. Ugh, I can't speak right now. Veteran programs. Uh, she does mentorship programs for women. And, you know, there's one thing that she said um, that, she, you know, you, you, you need to redirect the narrative of your life. And she talked about how she helps women find out um, how to be the protagonist in their story. And that sometimes as women, we tend to live in third person and allow the story to be uh, written for us. But we have the power to write our own story. And she is so successful. Uh, Ashley is put herself through college, has multiple degrees, all debt free. And she's a hustler. And I like that about that, about her. But we also talk about imposter syndrome people. And this is something that, again, is a common theme for all of us. But I want you to really be able to check her out because she is totally inspiring. And you will love to hear about her journey. She's uh, been married for a couple of years. And she is uh, just a superstar in my book, as many of our guests have been, if not all of our guests. Superstar. Superstar. So anyway, Daniel, anything else that you have? That's it. I think people are ready. So we are going to welcome our latest superstar to the show, our guest. Mm-hmm. Ashley Gabruja Maldonado. <laughs> Stop. 
You're terrible. <laughs> Sorry, Ashley, but welcome to the podcast. Yay. I am so pleased and so thrilled that I found you because I think that you um, really exemplify the kind of woman who I want to really highlight on the podcast and the Casa de Confidence podcast is specifically to bring stories of women from different kinds of life who are doing some amazing things for themselves and for others. So Ashley, take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So my name is Ashley Gorbolja Maldonado. That is a mouthful. Um, I'm like this beautiful, I'm married into a beautiful Hispanic family and um, my, my roots are Eastern European. So I grew up with a lot of pierogies and potatoes. Mm. Um, so with that being said, uh, I, I have a lot of titles. I have a lot of things that are going on. Uh, a lot of folks have always like, when are you going to slow down? And I really haven't been able to ever provide an answer to that. Um, like so <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the laundry list. Um, let's see, where do I begin? So I am a, I'm a veteran. Uh, I served eight years in the national guard. I was a military police, uh, sergeant where, you know, I trained troops and did all of those fun, fun things for mm -hmm. a long time. I always tell people military police is also, uh, the acronym is MP. I always tell people it stands for multi-purpose. Mm. I mean, I used to drive a, have a CDL and drive a bus. They used to trust me with that. Trust me with millions <laughs> of dollars of equipment. Trust me with lives. You know, and I was young. I was a young kid and gosh, uh, great times. I just got out and, uh, being in the service has taught me a lot of, uh, very fundamental, like roots and who I am and who I wanted to be when I grew up. And I'm really grateful that I've had that opportunity to serve my country in a lot of ways that's expanded into my business, into the volunteerism that I have taken on um, education. It's impacted pretty much every facet you can imagine in my life. So kind of rounding out this, this long laundry list of things. So after service in continuation, Went to school, knocked out two bachelor's degrees, graduate, graduated debt-free, did a Hail Mary pass, found myself getting a full ride for my first master's, and now glutton for pain, back at it with my second master's. Again, $63,000 in scholarships, still debt-free. Oh I'm so crazy. proud of you. That's so amazing. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's a lot. I, I, will, I will say that. Um, so during this time I was going to school, I had some very, very unique opportunities where I became quickly a subject matter expert in veteran benefits. And lo and behold, I found myself working at a community college where I was helping run a metropolitan veteran program. So I was, you know, in Cleveland running like state, federal, um, local county service veteran offices, working with veteran service offices and working throughout the VA hospital, which was pretty neat. And I was young, like I, the same time I was volunteering. I was, you know, starting my journey as a legionnaire, going to school mm -hmm. full time, serving my country, working some odds and ends jobs, like many college, college folks will attest to. And, um, I mean, between starting and helping start an American Legion post on campus to helping create an SVA or student veterans of America chapter, um, you know, getting an internship with the Washington Center, I found myself then next to none being called up and being offered a position at the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs uh, through the Veterans Benefit Administration. And the conversation pretty much went, hi, we really like everything you do. 
we want to, <laughs> we wanted to know if you want a job. And I was like, what kind of job? And they're like, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I'm like 24, 25 years old. Like what? And that's crazy. That's <laughs> so, so amazing. <laughs> so now I work in a communication shop where I am a marketer. I'm the like first ever marketing person at the Veterans Benefit Administration, specifically looking at how to tactfully use social media, digital landscape to amplify our message and educate and inspire uh, veteran families um, and veterans themselves to understand their benefits. Like who would have thought? Who would have thought me walking into a service office years ago would have I would have ran circles around the guy who was supposed to know more that I was that he would then offer me a job on the spot. Like I have had this reoccurring theme in my entire life being in the right spot, knowing the right information mm-hmm. and impressing people. And I'm just, I don't think I'm necessarily like impressing. I'm just like, I just read it thoroughly. Like I'm very detail oriented. Yep. I just, I just took the time to learn what it is the game I'm playing. Right. Yeah. And Ashley, I know that you probably have taken obviously lots of different tests in your life. And one of the things that comes to mind, and when you said you're detail oriented, and you you seem to have a really good sense of who you are. But have you ever taken the DISC personality profile? Is DISC like 16 personalities? No, it's different. The 16 personalities is more closely assigned to the Myers-Briggs. But DISC is four distinct personalities. And one is a dominant and um, actually it, here's an interesting uh, bit of trivia for anybody who maybe doesn't know about the disc, the psychiatrist that um, created it is the guy who also created uh, wonder woman. And, oh, no way. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's very interesting, but, and, and I would, I, I, I would tell people to go and check him out and his life story because it's very interesting. But the second personality is an I, which is uh, someone who's very social and outgoing. It's called the influencer. And then you have the S, which is supportive, and the C. Um, and, and again, it varies depending on who where you're reading it. But then the C is... Um, the compliant, I, I guess, is what some people will refer to. Oh, I don't know if I'd ever consider myself compliant. I'm kind of the rebel. <laughs> the so whatever rebel. the opposite letter is, yeah, I am yep. that. So I, I, I would say you should take it because I think that um, you, you remind me of uh, a little bit of myself of being in the right place at the right time and being very uh, go getter type of person. But Absolutely. I am certainly not very detail oriented at times. I tend to uh, look at things from a big picture and that's why my husband and I get along so well because he is, I I give the big picture and he handles the details. (laughs) You know what? I think there is some magic to compliment of relationships. I always tell folks, my husband and I are very yin and yang, uh, whereas I am very rigid, detail oriented. I am like trying to do a million and one things. He's just like, Easy does it. We got this. And I wish I could operate on that flow. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I get tunnel vision, he could be scatterbrained, right? But like the right. the magic of our relationship is that we have balanced each other out. For yeah, definitely. Almost, you know, if we've been married, what, going on three, it'll be three, four years, 2021. So we've been together almost a decade now, but married well, almost still, four years. You're still a newlywed if it's only yeah. five years. That's, that's what they keep telling me. And I'm just like, I feel like, uh, like COVID pandemic has like brought us like to a point where just like, I feel like we have to like to a whole new level of like relationship, like honeymoon, we can't go anywhere. 
staycation all day. Then (laughs) now we're like working together side by side on his and hers desk. It's like, okay. Yeah. Same thing with us. My husband has a, has a job outside the home. He works at the research center here in, in the Hartford, Connecticut area. And, but he also has a corner of my desk that he uses as his little command central. This is, I am in the command center of my husband's domain right now. Like mine is much more simpler over in this direction. Oh. You're, you're doing great. And now, you know, I, I wrote a note as you were speaking about all your accomplishments and the things that you're involved in. And this is typically not a question that I ask right away of the guests, but it really, um, it, it, it made me think, what do you do for fun? And how do you replenish yourself? Uh, that's an ongoing battle. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw that out there. Okay. Folks have always asked me like what I do for fun. And for me, work has always been fun. So mm-hmm. trying to, I think in the past year, and obviously like just with the worldly situation, I've had to reassess like my relationship with work. Mm-hmm. And that has been incredibly important and something that I have to check in with myself every day. Um, to give you an example, uh, you know, I like to bike ride. I love to walk my dogs. I love to do random like collages and photography. Like all of those things are great, but they're like ones and twos. And when mm-hmm. I need a real, like a three to really recharge, mm-hmm. I really have to roll back into my shell as much as an extrovert mm-hmm. that I can be. Mm-hmm. I have to, I really, I really think I'm an ambivert. Like I know my 16 personalities was executive, like I'm an mm-hmm. ESTJ mm-hmm. A, so like a sort of portion yeah. of that. Um, and I have to think about like who I am as a person, how do I roll back in, but being very, um, in between, I have to have this balance and recharge. And sometimes that comes in the form of, you know, running a bubble bath or, you know, just taking a break and saying like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go watch an episode of Family Guy because I keep it real. So <laughs> like, you know, I just, those are very simple things that I do, but I've always had a problem balancing my work. Mm-hmm. And I think any classic overachiever will tell you that you know, there's, there's a, you know, peaks and valleys to success, even as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't even get to the whole me starting my own business thing. Like, you know, there are just so many things that I continue to kind of just put on myself mm-hmm. because I know that I can do them and I don't like to limit myself. And mm-hmm. as we've discussed, like there are just opportunities that have come through this like preparation right. and putting myself in these opportunities that otherwise, you know, other people to impose their own limitations on me. Oh, no, you shouldn't do that. It was very common in my family. Why are you trying to rock the boat? Why are you trying to stir things oh, up? I, that's, that's, I hear that in my family a lot. And I, and I will tell you that um, I'm 50, so I'm definitely, you know, twice your age. But I, I heard that a lot in my family. And the more that someone would say, oh, take it easy, or why are you rocking the boat? Or why are you pushing the limitations? I would like, why not? And, and I don't know, what is it that it was inside me that just wanted more and the more that I had, the more that I needed, you know, but I I love to recharge as well. I love to recharge with very basic stuff. And we were talking about the different personality test. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that you've already taken the 16 personality profile. I think you need to go look at a disc. If I had to guess, 
you are probably definitely a high D, which is a dominant, and, and, you know, <laughs> go-getter. And, and I don't, you know, I, when I first said dominant, oh, that doesn't sound right, right when I first got my results. But it truly is someone who is a leader, who's a go-getter, and being that you've been in, in the military, I think that that's a trait that comes very naturally to you. So. Absolutely. I mean, even in a lot of my my workspaces, uh, you know, I, I have to kind of peel back some of the language folks choose to use, like, oh, she's aggressive or uh, oh, she's yeah. too outspoken. What is too outspoken? <laughs> right? What does it mean to be too outspoken? There's no such having a formulated opinion about something that affects me, makes me outspoken. Why is that a negative? Like, I think in the world, we focus a lot on like problem, like problem lens, like it's problem focus versus solution focus, where someone would say, oh, wow, she's educated, or she's making educated, you know, assumption or rhetoric or whatever, whatever the case is, right? Um, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I actually one of the things that I encourage my, my clients, and this is something that I learned from one of my first uh, life coaches is not to use the word problem. I stay away from that problem because I think that it yeah. limits your brain and it makes you all of a sudden shut off. So I tend to use challenge or something along those lines, because I think that we, if we say we have a problem or we can't, or we won't, then our brain doesn't work like a computer, like it's supposed to, right? And our brain has the capability of being able to search for answers. But I do agree with you that in this world, uh, many times we tend to, especially as a confident woman and someone who is a strong leader, tend to be viewed as someone who may be in the negative lens. And, and I would right. like to rewrite that. And I would like to recreate a narrative where it is not viewed as a negative that uh, someone has an opinion. Now you started and, and you went into the military after high school. Tell me a little bit about what prompted you to take that path. Uh, so there was a, it was a very complicated time for my family. Um, you know, having endured the recession, which is like, like a cakewalk compared to what's going on in 2020, but, um, it really shook my family's foundation. Uh, you know, being from the Rust Belt in Ohio, my dad owned a manufacturing, like small business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously for anyone who understands that field, it's, a lot, it's a lot of cost, a lot of cost. Um, the billing cycles aren't great. So you're not getting paid like immediately. It's like 60 days after. So recession really took a hard hit on my family. And, you know, I was, I was just, I think I just started high school or something in that nature. And I was already working. Like I had been working since I was 15. I know what it was like to work in my dad's shop and, to have these different experiences from a work work ethic standpoint, um, while playing sports, while, you know, pursuing academia, like I felt like I was always being set up to be like this multitasker or, you know, having multiple priorities and like time management. Like those were all things that really kind of fostered in this time frame. So when it came, you know, time to have the discussion about college, you know, my dad was really upset because when he, you know, 
was going to school in the eighties, you know, his dad was able to, you know, pay for, pay his way for college. Right. Like really kind of set in stone and solidify that American dream. And he didn't think he was going to be able to do that for me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I got two younger brothers and I got to figure something out. Like there's got to be a way to pay for school. Right. Mm-hmm. I was a pretty average student. You know, I was like a, I was a B student 3.0. I did a lot of extracurricular curriculars. I, mm-hmm. I was like, at best, a BC student. Like I was not rocking 4.0 and taking all those ridiculous whatever classes <laughs> they try to push you into now to get college extra credit right, points. Right. Like I don't, AP classes, that's AP, what they call yeah, them. Nope. I was like, what are these? I don't care what these are. Nope. I know a lot of people took AP classes that I went to school with who are doing absolutely nothing. So congratulations, AP classes. Turned out great. <laughs> so so I digress, not to knock out my smart folks. Like I consider myself smart, but I've always had to balance that like street smart and book smart. I like that. I like that and, a lot. And for me, like once I had found out like the National Guard offered a hundred percent scholarship and I can go to any state school I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was like Amazing. I was like, why not? Why not? And then I was like, hmm, oh, all these benefits. Oh, I can have like, you know, healthcare. I can pay fifty-five dollars and get off my dad's plan so he's not paying eight hundred dollar deductible and some nonsense. Like I pay $55 for my health care as a single individual That's and it. I was getting education benefits on top of my 100% National Guard scholarship. I had all of the same resources and other credibility things that came with being a veteran status and it opened up a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. So because of the recession, because of some of the economics and some things that was happening, that was the best route. So, you know, I worked multiple jobs at school. I went to a tech school on top of or a vocational school, right? A lot of people were like, oh, why would you go to a vocational school? You must obviously be smart enough to go to regular school. I was like, that's ridiculous because I went to both. I did yeah, both. That's, that's not true. My husband that's went not to true. school and he's pretty smart. <laughs> and then ironically enough, then here I am like finding myself in a working in higher education. So I was working at a community college. I was then helping draft policy and, you know, mm-hmm. formulate and develop programs and outcomes and evaluations. And I didn't have a four-year degree. Like I literally was running like in quasi, in, you know, in tandem with my, you know, immediate supervisor, my executive director, like we were just running this program. Here I am like, you know, 20 years old without any sort of formal degree, but I was changing people's lives and I was making impact. And at that point, some of the other things just kind of, you know, it took us like as soon as I opened up the sale, like people started to notice. Um, at that time, I was volunteering for women's uh, military, or I'm sorry, women's correctional facility in Cleveland, and I helped start a military mentorship program. Like I was literally helping women who, <laughs> whether it was like you know a small felony or they were there for a very long time, mm-hmm. help you know, teach military leadership and how to transform your lives. Because at the same time, like, you know, you can focus on the chapter's past, but you can't rewrite that crap. You just can't do it. You have to focus on redirecting your narrative and being the first person in your story. Like quit letting others tell you what your story should be or where you should go or what chapter you're on. Like don't fixate 
on what could be and just be present and make that shit happen. Excuse my language, but that's the truth. I'm I'm in, I'm in for that. And I think that we, many women allow people to write their chapters and to write their story and they become the victim and just the side character where they really should be the center of, of the narrative. And And we fall under the imposter syndrome. And then we think that like, you know, we then compare ourselves. And I think growing up, I, I think a lot of women can relate to being compared to another woman. And I'm, I cannot believe like how we still allow ourselves to like, every woman is wonderful and great and Mm -hmm. special and unique. Why are we all trying to look like the same model on a Vogue magazine? Why are we all trying to conform to some level of beauty when we're obviously all amazing? Right. And that was something I was very fortunate being in like high school. I, didn't really have one click or niche of people. Like I just kind of floated around and I was super just gregarious and uh, I was well aware of myself. And that was definitely, it made, it made things hard because, you know, one of the things too, and we've talked about dominance is that when you have like dominant or assertive traits and you know who you are to folks that don't know who they are, that is very threatening. It is very threatening for sure. And I think part of the conversations that I've had with women in my own like little workshops is like, Hey, like that's not your enemy. Like somebody along the lines has told you that the person next to you is, is the enemy and they're not. So if anything, like we've got so much stuff that brings us together as women. Um, and we have an opportunity to educate men every single day. And sometimes we don't take those opportunities to do that. Right. Um, like what our experiences are, having open dialogue, and then kind of mm-hmm. just coming back to that we can be who we want to be. Like we don't have to define ourselves by a glass ceiling by who we marry. I, I am so, I'm listening to you and I think, wow, the, their amount of wisdom and just very um, well thought out points. And I think that you have a very clear picture of some of the issues that, like you said, why are we dealing with some of this, you know, 100 years later, or, or yeah. from when we got the right to vote? And why are we still comparing ourselves? Or and why are we still attacking? And I'm there a firm believer that as women, we need to create a, a society and a um, relationships with other women in which one, our stories are, are, open books for others, because I think that Mm -hmm. we go through these challenges in silence, thinking that it's only me going through that, or I am the only one who feels this way. And then there's power in being able to be open and honest and saying, hey, I felt like that. I think my openness and vulnerability within the past year or so, like, so for example, like, I unfortunately am a statistic of military sexual trauma. And when I finally found that voice, I finally took back that chapter that I allowed to have a lot of power over me for a long time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started telling that story, I was, I, I honestly, I was, I was a bit shocked and awed at what kind of response I got. Yep. Uh, you know, when I had told folks that like, yeah, I, I do suffer from depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, even though I'm an overachiever, like, yep that like this is what mental illness can look like like mental illness can look like someone who is you know a million miles ahead of what's perceived to be you know 
yeah, it, being great. It's just, yeah, absolutely. I when I turned 25 yeah. and I, and, and, you know, to give you an example, when I turned 25, it was the first time I went to counseling and I went to therapy and mm-hmm. I realized that, and I, I actually had a boyfriend who was in the air force and he had an accident. He had a motorcycle accident and we were actually engaged in, um, by the time the trauma and, and the brain injury was done, said and done, he actually had the mentality of a, of a, a third grader. And that relationship came to an abrupt halt. And I, I spent a few years just really grieving and being very sad. And I tried, you know, I moved away. I went to school in D.C. and thinking of changing my scenery, right? Um, right. But when I went to therapy for the first time, I remember that my therapist said, I think you're depressed. You should mm-hmm. take medication. And one, I was taken back. And number two, I thought, what? And I felt yeah. broken. And I felt like, oh, my God, I'm cr- they think I'm crazy. And of course, then I went to my my family. I went to my mom. Uh, and and no, no disrespect to her. But I, I, I want mothers and parents to really understand how your reaction to something can impact your children. And yeah. this is why we need to learn to hold space for each other. But one of the things that, you know, she she's like, oh, you need to change therapists. And I don't even know why you're going to therapy. And yeah, and- I, I can relate. That was when I had told my parents, like, hey, I'm doing this thing. It's really great. It's been working out for me. It's nice to have, uh, you know, a viable option each week that I can have the third party just help me talk some of this stuff out. Because, you know, for me, like my trauma came in the, like, I guess, and it's, it's longevity formed this like ultra independence. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need anybody. People are just going to let me down. And, really trying to open that up and talk about that while I'm still trying to like smash my career goals and execute plans on a daily basis. Like there's a high demand for me to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I could have those therapy sessions where I can just be off and really kind of bring down some of that level of facade, that's when I really started to see progress. Was it easy progress? Heck no. Like, wow. Like it was a lot. Um, but yeah, when my parents, I told them like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. They were just like, why? Like, there's something wrong with you. And I was like, first of all, let's just, let's just, let's just stop for there for a second. I think that a lot of parents tend to, and I, and I know that this is a little bit of where, where my mom might've been. And as a single mom, I think that there is a lot of um, even shame, right? That as parents or, 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 or questioning whether or not they did the right job. And they, and I know that my mom had issues thinking that maybe I was going to come back and blame. And, and certainly mm-hmm. I don't think that's the intention of therapy. The, the, and, and I'm a firm believer of cognitive behavioral therapy and I'm oh, not totally. a therapist, but I, I am certified as a coach on cognitive behavioral techniques. And one of the reasons that I chose that particular uh, certification is because I, I believe that your mind has very specific skills to be able to create the reality that you live in. Yeah. And it's, it's impossible. Your yeah. It's impossible to defeat an enemy with an outpost inside your head. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. It's, it's tough. You know, I, ah. I just recently wrote an article um, entitled um, trauma to triumph. 
And I'm hopefully getting that Ooh. out uh, in GI Jobs in January, which is really exciting. Okay. You're going to um, send me that. So <laughs> absolutely. I can, I can send that out to, to the listeners and post it on our uh, on our social so they can check it out. Because I think that that, you know, definitely can speak to a lot of different people. And yeah. um, I know that you you are really advocating in your position. You're, you're working with veterans. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I do a lot with women veterans. Uh, you know, my clients even for my business are, are women veteran nonprofits. A lot of it's about storytelling. It's about taking back the narrative. It's about mm-hmm. reconsolidating branding and like your personal brand and not right. just saying I was just this in the service. Yeah, I, I no, like own, own the, a veteran status. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what my journey has been at both the VA and my business helping, you know, build, you know, communities, veteran programs and people it's how can we marry the want and the need that everyone wants to you know i i always say there's an inconsistency with what we value what we believe Mm -hmm. you know we we value veterans we value their service you know we value military families but we believe we can do it like when it's convenient or it's like lip service or you know there's always like some vanity project that I feel like gets peeled in the way, especially with politics, especially with the state of the world. And right now, um, you know, there are just things that just need to just be separate from the politics. Absolutely. Right? And, and I think yeah. that um, in any type of issue that's politicized, I believe that we end up losing sight of the humanity of the people who are affected yeah. by the Absolutely. issue. And Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a great level of impact. And when we're making decisions and, and I've, I listen, I was in education for a long time. I sat in Capitol Hill. I went and spoke to staffers and talked about issues when it came to relating to education and they're trying to make a good point. And I, and I'd like to believe that to some extent, some people go into this process, maybe working for a, a, a house uh, majority leader or minority, or even somewhere mm-hmm. in between to, because they want to make a difference. I'd like to believe that and give people the benefit right. of the doubt. But when, they're making decisions about what level, what a language they're going to strike out or what uh, thing they're not going to include or what they want to add that has no right. relation. I used to think about the little boy that I, I would maybe go into a classroom and he was struggling to read. And he came from mm-hmm. a home that mom was working two to three jobs and they lived in one of those um, long-term motels because they couldn't afford any other housing. Or I thought of the mom who, again, was the head of household and was looking to really have good services for their for their children. However, she was making because she was a minority, she's making 80 cents less than her counterpart at work. Yeah, I I mean, to be honest with you, from just I'm an open feminist. I mean, I think that has like been placed into people's vocabulary with like the wrong definition. Okay, I believe in the equality of men and women equally like. I believe that we should have opportunities and we should be treated with the same respect and dignity, right? Coming back to the the really treating folks back down to the root of humanity, right? Like treat people how you would expect and want to be treated. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is, uh, you know, with the gender wage gap, especially kind of looking at everything within the pandemic and the toll that it's taken on women who might be, you know, single family income or they are in a dual income, you know, relationship with their partner, spouse, 
And because of the gender wage gap, they actually, they'll still make less, which then when it comes down to who's going to take care of the kids, because we can't send the kids back to school, mm-hmm. when it, from the economic decision, it goes, okay, naturally, like, well, if right. my husband or my spouse, or my partner is making more money than me, naturally, they're going to go to a job and I'm going to, I'm going to stay home with the kids, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at progress from a family structural component, and this is something I studied in, uh, when I did my master's in public health, I studied military families, community, policy, health, wellness, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's going to do is it, it will, it'll just slow progress of women in the workforce. So that, that gap that we were closing mm-hmm. is now going to start to separate again because of specific policies that limit in both childcare and wage gap. So what they've done is economically they've disadvantaged women. And then, and then from a workforce standpoint, you know, and not having like child services or child care, mm-hmm. you've, you've pigeonholed women back into the place where they said, we don't want to be on a, a pedestal. Be. Like and, we, and we I, want to be out in the workforce. We want to be doing these things. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. and, and we actually, um, I, I volunteer for the United Way, the Women's United Group. It's a, okay. it's a leadership group. And one of the things that the United Way here in Connecticut does every uh, two years is they release what they call the ALICE report. And ALICE stands for, um, uh, oh, now I'm, I'm blanking out, but it is in limited income constraint employed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it, it's someone who, for instance, has to make the choice, right? Like what, what am I going to invest my money in? And one right. of the biggest things that we were discussing is how the pandemic right now is going to definitely have an impact. Now, I think that there are some women who I, I love, and I have many friends that made the decision to stay home because that was part of their value system. Yeah. And I think that we need totally. to we're down. I'm down. Feel that's what you want to do. Right. And, and, we need that. And, and just like if a dad wants to stay home, it should okay. be okay. But mm-hmm. when a woman wants to be out in the workforce, but yet they're, the choices are being made for them because the funding is being cut in, in daycare or the opportunities are lessening, then, then we're really putting ourselves behind the eight ball for sure, because the yeah. girl we do ourselves a disservice as an right. entire society when half of our workforce is underrepresented and underappreciated and yeah. not considered when making policy. I and, mean, the, we, and the girls that are coming behind them are not seeing them and are not seeing role models that they can identify with. And this is going to, this is going to continue to perpetuate the fact that girls are not seeing in the sciences or in the, Mm -hmm. in the boardroom or in the military necessarily. And, And you are lucky enough that you know that there's a lot of representation now more so than ever in the military when it comes to women. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was the only female non-commissioned officer in my platoon, Mm. And that's just like, just think of a group of 60 people and me being the only person with like leadership and rank to make decisions as a woman. And then having lower enlisted, uh, scattered about maybe a handful of five young women, you know, 18, 19 years old. And here I am 21, 22, right. trying to make sure that, you know, for my women who were having medical problems that I had to step in and say, no, this is a legitimate medical issue guys take notes take notes legitimate right. medical issue also mm-hmm. hey uh such and such needs to go and bre- like you know pump and breastfeed because she just had a baby they're like oh she could do it in the bathroom i'm like first mm-hmm. of all <laughs> let's i'm just gonna stop you right there right right um 
or I would have like conversations. Like I remember when I had got injured in the service, I remember I had a really old, like first sergeant. He was real old school. Like I, I don't even know how he was like, I'm going to digress. Anyway, not a nice guy. And he automatically assumed that when I fell off a cliff, hit myself in the head with my rifle, went all the way down the hill, proceeded to continue mission. And then they made me ruck back which is just a long walk with a lot of weight back. <laughs> they told me I was faking my injury because I didn't want to be there because I wanted, I'd rather be taking my master's classes, which let's be real. I would have definitely preferred just doing my master's classes, but I made a commitment and I was there anyway. And I was doing 14 hour days and then I was completing homework and writing grants at night up until the wee hours. So I was real insulted as you can imagine Then having your profile or your injury, like, you know, yeah, be exploited and say, oh, no, you're still going to do X, Y and Z. And then now years later, after a knee surgery and still fighting with the VA for, you know, disability, mm. you know, it's real. It's but real. because somebody had said this is a problem and I'm just going to blanketly cast all of this judgment. So, if, you know, if I mess up, every woman messes up. And that's unfortunately something that still persists in the military. And even and it, as we bring more women in, it, it persists in so many walks of life. I actually had the example in which a lot of friends and, and I don't know necessarily why I, I, I have given that impression or, or whatnot, but um, I am a little clumsy, but I don't think that that's really, you know, necessarily the reason. But a lot of my friends will say, oh, you're so gentle. You're so and I'm thinking like, excuse me. Not like that. And so my husband actually was working on the roof of our, our three season porch. And um, I went out to help him and out there and, and I was just, you know, trying to peel off the, the, the shingles off the ceiling. And I'd been going to, this is, you know, obviously some months back when I was still in, in the better shape that I am today, but because I'd been going to the gym and I'd been working out and I really felt very strong. And and COVID-20 is real. ladies and gentlemen. COVID-20 is really for real, but it's my life thing. Like (laughs) the, a lot of my friends really, um, I got, get off the ceiling, get off the roof and you can't do that. You shouldn't let him do it. And I'm thinking like, why do I always get that? I have gotten that my whole life. And I know that there's times in which maybe I haven't been in, as strong as possible, but we need to stop to evaluate that maybe a person is, is able to do more than we give them credit for and putting think, in. Yeah. No, I think we're really quick to put like physicality, like filters on everybody, like, oh, you, you're not like, you shouldn't have knowledge. No, like I can tell <laughs> I can tell you, I'm proud of you for getting on the roof and doing that. Because when I have bought a house, I use my VA home loan and, you know, bought a house. Great. And mm-hmm. I live in this awesome apartment now, but I digress. You know, I was the one having to like paint, like my husband, like took care of some of the floor stuff. I was the one changing electrical sockets. I was the one on the roof putting Christmas lights up with him, like trying to get him down from this fear of falling. (laughs) Like, I think we're really quick to put the physical limits, right? (laughs) Like I know how much I can lift and how much I can deadlift, right? But I think too many folks mistake like physical like strength with like internal and like mental and emotional strength, which I think women really dominate respectfully. I know it's a generalization, but I think we, that's where, where we really shine and great example, right? So like I'm getting on the roof and a very steep roof 
putting up Christmas lights. So it's like not a fear in my mind. And like my husband's like, uh, like trembling. Oh yeah. That's what happens in this house too. (laughs) And it's, and I use that example because if you just limit it to the physicality, you're, you're kind of doing yourself an injustice. And I also, even as I was, you know, as a sergeant, I never wanted folks to miss, uh, think my kindness was, uh, like, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Yeah. Like I could, I could mess some people up. I had a very like, tradi- like and from a traditional, like, this is how things need to be done. I've given you an order. I've corrected you. You've disobeyed me. Right. Like I used to make people do push-ups. And the thing was like, when you command respect mm-hmm. and you have an expectation and a, a bar that's set and individuals fall below that bar, you best believe Julie, like there were some people really hating their life because they made Sergeant G angry. <laughs> and a lot of it was because they just weren't following through. They weren't doing the right thing. Right. And having some of that spot correction ability in the service is great. And I still have to kind of tailor myself even in like the federal government. Cause it's like, there's so much red tape and blockades and everything you want to do. And, you know, I'm like, I have to remind you, you hired me to give me, you know, to give advice and mm-hmm. to help you get where you need to be. But, you know, I'm a very direct person. So even when I do tailor it, I'm still very tactful, but people don't like when I tell them no. And I think that's a scary word. Uh, and that's something I've come across with a lot of women. They are afraid to say no. Mm. And my workload isn't a lot because I don't know how to say no. It's right. because I choose to do those things and I set reasonable expectations, but I know a lot of folks will put that pressure on themselves because they don't want to appear weak, right? Absolutely. I work or with a lot of women who, who, who are so afraid of saying no. And for instance, they'll say to me, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I have so much to do. I wish I had 25 hours, 20, 30 hours in a day. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, you have made the choices and you've allowed yourself. And, and I think about how when you are saying yes, because you're afraid that you're not going to be liked or you're, you're going to be passed up or you're going to be judged for putting a limitation or, 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 or saying no to someone, mm-hmm. then you, it's very you, common then, in all facets, yeah, all industries. And, and I think we need to, I, I'm in charge of my calendar and yeah. my calendar is mine. If you want to get on my calendar, I will give you access to that, but I will also tell you, no, can't do that. Sorry. You want right. to buy one? No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think that this is something that you, you grow to understand. And it's for me, one of the things that I tell women is the biggest form of self care saying no, Yeah, no, it can't happen. And it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to say, I I'm going to need help with you doing the dishes or cooking or doing right. the laundry. And, and I think that we get stuck tw- trying to um, be everything for everyone. And we're not, and we're going to succeed at being nothing for no one, especially. Absolutely. I, I think you put beautifully put that. I mean, I have found myself, I think I'll be real. Like, I think the first year of like my marriage, I was like trying to like do it all. And then I like realized I was like, wait a minute. I know my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law wouldn't like this. <laughs> I had like this moment where I was like, <laughs> I think I'm just going to go grab the flip-flop and I'm just going to tell him if you don't pick oh. up your laundry, you're going down. Like I just channeled my mother. That was right great. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's when we had some real conversations. And I said, listen, I'm not your maid. 
Mm-hmm. Not your mom. I'm not going to pick up after you. I'm not going to go out of my way and do all this stuff. I said, you are my partner. We are equal in this relationship. And if there is a chore that you prefer, okay, cool. I will do the chore that you don't prefer. Like there's got to be some conversation and that got better as soon as we just kind of did that. And what was great too, is I know a lot of folks say, I mean, we cohabitated beforehand. Like mm-hmm. I was just convinced that like I needed to be able to live with someone if I was ever going to marry that person. It was just right. me. Um, but we learned a lot about each other mm-hmm. and we were able to over the years figure out not only our love language, but how we communicated best yeah. and then also establish boundaries and really get to know each other in a more mm-hmm. deeper way. Uh, my husband and I, you know, we did a year and a half of long distance, like before any of the intimacy and physicality, like it was purely like communication and us growing and becoming best friends. And I'm really fortunate to have him in my life because, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't marry my glass ceiling. I married a man who has continued to support me. Like so- I recruited him into the military and now he's a recruiter for the military, like full that- circle kind of stuff. Like it is full circle. It's great. And I, and, and I'm going to have to quote you on that. I didn't marry my glass ceiling. I think that that is such a good quote. Mm-hmm. I, I am a firm believer that when you have a true partnership, the person that you are with is going to really bring out the best in you and Absolutely. is really going to encourage you to go above and beyond and challenge you and call you to the mat when you need to be called to the mat. And Absolutely. Like it's I the first person to tell me I'm being an ass. Yeah, no, same here. <laughs> Daily basis. You need to calm down, Ashley. That's literally how it goes. <laughs> yeah. So calm I, down. I need you to eat. I need you to take a break. You know, and I, I need to remember, that. right? Like I, I, I need, I need to simmer down because when you're so like, you, yeah, you laser focused, yeah. ready to accomplish the mission, even if it means sacrificing another hour of sleep, like sometimes you just like, you need someone to bounce you out. That's right. Uh, and we talked about that for sure. Now, where is your husband's family from? You said that you told me where your family is from, but uh, tell yes. me about him. So uh, Robert, oh, I love him so much. He <laughs> he was just like a total like the stars aligned the way we met. Um, but his family, um, his mom was like a cop in the Bronx. Uh, oh, I love it. So his um his mom is Colombian. Okay. And his dad is Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um and they like fell in love and like if mm-hmm. my father-in-law is like the epitome of like the romantic like he's just he's uh-huh. so sweet like he's he's a little bit older than Robert's mom but the doting and the affection and like now I see like as an adult like where my husband got that from. And I'm going to definitely have to have my, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law listen to this because um, they have definitely been guidestones in our, in our marriage and our relationship because oh, like when his mom was a cop in the Bronx, like he would just wait out by the precinct to pick her up and like, you know, it was just had this cool relationship and now they, they're living in New Jersey. Um, you know, I, I, he's got two sisters, big, big family, um, so yeah. every time we go over there, it's, it's fun party it's culture. Yeah, it's a different culture. My mom is from El Salvador, and my mm-hmm. dad, um, his mom was Puerto Rican, and his dad is Italian descent. But I know what you mean. You know, the the my dad was very nurturing too. Um, he's the kind of guy, and he was in the military, so he was very regimented. Mm-hmm some ways yeah same same with my father-in-law 23 plus he, years in the navy like yeah. when he walked in a, down the street with you he always made sure that you were on the inside not next to the cars and my little- husband still opens the car door for me i'm yeah. like 
It's totally overrated, but I love it. Like secretly love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I think that those are the little gifts that keep you going. And as we focus on, when we focus on somebody's um, ability to bring a smile to our face, then all the other Mm -hmm. stuff kind of gets worked out. Absolutely. Um, So tell me who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, From like a, from a personal standpoint, like somebody in my life or, okay. Choose. So I will, I'm going to cite my grandfather. My grandfather's been gone now for maybe like 15 years or so. Um, But when I was young, like very impressionable sponge, if you shall. Um, I spent a lot of time with him. I'm the eldest of nine grandchildren. And of course, like for some reason, the first is always doted with all this love and attention. And that was me. Yeah. Uh, and my <laughs> grandfather, like just absolutely loved this guy. He was what I would describe as he was a Polak in Italian boots who always had a trucker hat on, flannel, owned his own truck, or trucking and towing, knew every bar and restaurant in Cleveland also could catch a walleye with his eyes closed and could do all these amazing things, but he was super progressive. He was a really progressive guy. Like I remember I was, I think it was like eight or nine years old. And this guy was like, Hey, I want you to know how to change a tire. So he would actually do time drills like NASCAR. Like he would like tie me (laughs) to like change a tire. He used to take me down to the, like to the farms in Amish country, show me like where my food came from. He used to talk to me like an adult. Like he didn't baby mother ease me. He was just like, Ashley, you're going to have to step up. You know, like you're, you're going to be the eldest of nine grandchildren, right? In some shape or form, like you have two younger brothers, like you are going to have to step up to the plate Mm -hmm. and people are going to look to you and you're going to have to lead and inspire them. And he was the type that, you know, during like the 60s, 70s, like put the house in my grandmother's name because he was like, I think it's stupid that I can't like you don't have the same equal power as I do, like across the law. Like, like he would he was a very progressive guy. I love that. Um, he used to take me, you know, camping. He used to support me in Girl Scouts. Uh, he used to call me Cashley Ashley. He always told me that I was an entrepreneur. Mm. It wasn't until obviously my early 20s that I actually had reflected on that. And I said, wow, this man was so right. He, I was, you know, he taught me how to like, you know, here's how you set a profit. Here's how you do the margins. Like, here's how, like, if That's I was selling lemonade, he goes, how much are you deal. selling it for? Mm. Right. Yeah. And it was just a lot of those lessons where he would be like, I heard you got in trouble at school because you were selling glue bookmarkers. Like I had a whole monopoly of glue bookmarkers with like the little um like trays and stuff. Yep, like, yep. like he was just like, I heard you're doing this. Like how much money you are you? You are making? a little entrepreneurial <laughs> young woman. I love it. You know, I I did a lot of that and he was really a a really a keyst like a really like a guidestone or a keystone in a lot of my being self-assured, being so young. I think it's because, you know, he treated me like an adult. You know, I obviously still had some of the perks of being like, you know, the the eldest of all the grandbabies. But he taught me hard lessons. Mm. And like I remember very fondly, he uh, he scolded me once for not finishing my Cheerios. And I thought it was the most bizarre thing in the world. And he was like, I need you to understand there are people that don't have even a bowl to pour those Cheerios in. And he would like... Like he had like a like a metaphor. So he was always had a life lesson attached to stuff. 
That's how, you know, your grandfather and my grandfather could probably came from the same sort of cloth. My grandfather was very, um, he's the one who would always, uh, teach me about the value of things and how other people um, and and both my grandparents, my grandparents were very influential in my life, but certainly Mm -hmm. my grandfather um, was uh, just very similar to yours. So you're so lucky to have had such a great influence and to have created this, uh, this uh, thing in your, in you and planted the seeds that are now blossoming in your life and everything that you're doing. So I love this. Um, I could probably talk to you for another couple of hours, but certainly I want (laughs) to sensitive of your time and you've been so generous to be on the phone and be here for this interview but Ashley um, what is one thing that you want our listeners to hear that you encourage them to go and do and and, and, and do for themselves in order to become more confident Ooh, good question I think the best thing that one can do is embrace your story and quit imposing like quit self-imposing limits quit talking yourself out of opportunities quit talking yourself out of you know whatever that thing is that you that pops into your brain right now as as i'm saying this like that thing that you've been neglecting to start or stop or you know lay that boundary act on it like take action in your life be present and commit yourself to who you are Find yourself. If you are still unsure, find yourself. But don't let anybody else write your narrative for you. Don't let any other role or random characteristic limit you from being your best self. I, I love this so much. And I think that that's excellent advice, no matter whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, or even beyond. I think that we have to be in charge of what our narrative is. And, and there's always the opportunity to go after what we want in our dreams. I'm a firm believer that that we can do that. I thank you and honor you for your time. You are doing some amazing things. I honor you for your service and for the commitment that you have, not only to veterans, but to the people that they come in contact with and their families. I think that that's very important work. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate you having me on, Julie. Yeah, absolutely. And we are going to have to figure out what other exciting things we can do because I think that you can continue to inspire other women. Okay. Yeah. Be on the lookout. I'm I finally hired a ghostwriter to help me finish my book. So Oh, Ooh. I'm gonna be online for that for sure. <laughs> and so, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Are you on socials? I am on the socials. Yay. So all right. Best best thing I love LinkedIn. So you can find me at LinkedIn at Ashley Garbol Show Maldonado. Yeah. I'm telling you, my name is very unique, everybody. So if you were to just spell that correctly or like somehow jumble that into Google, I promise you'll find me. And, and um, put this in the show notes so that everybody can find you as well. But yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm on, I have a public uh, figure page on Facebook. I have a public figure page on Instagram, as well as my LinkedIn, which is substitutes for both my, you know, my business, my personal and all the advocating I do. So if you're going to follow me on one platform, I would go LinkedIn because that's where I'm usually at majority of the time. Yep. And again, we connected because we have a mutual connection, a, a mutual friend, and she is one of the first women pilots. Is that correct? Did I say that? You know what? I actually have her book, believe it or not. Mama, I have, yeah, I got a Mama? signed book from her too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I got the, uh, I got the such yeah, a good she's, book. Yeah, she's she's that'll be my next thing. I'll, I'll do a kid's book. I hope to mirror it after her. Hey, let me know if you want to connect with someone. I know that's someone that, that uh, helps women write those. So that would be awesome. Anyway, thank you so much. And thank your husband for uh, setting you up. And I um, thank my husband for 
coming to the rescue also with the tech support. Literally my tech support. That's literally his title. I was like, I'm gonna make you a business card. That's right. There you go. My CFO and tech support. (laughs) That's That's distribution of roles. That's all it is. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you again. Absolutely. Julie, Julie, Julie. Yes. What did you think of the interview, my love? Great interview. Mm, She's fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. I hope that all of you really enjoy the interview and you you can connect with Ashley and tell her how great she is and what amazing work she is doing. I think that the more that we can support each other and um, support what we are doing, and she is working really hard. And I think that, you know, one of the things that she said is that um, we, everybody says that they support vets, right? But how we do it is so key. And I think that sometimes we need to evaluate what we support and figure out ways in which we can do it more fully and really be involved. Hmm. So you can check out the show notes. Mm-hmm. You can find her on Facebook and mm-hmm. you can find her on Instagram and check out all the amazing things that she's doing. Because yeah. again, someone who is such a go-getter in the most important thing about what she does is that she is making an impact on the lives of people around her. I encourage you to reach out if you are feeling called to help veterans or if you're a veteran looking to do something a little more. Yeah, she is the she is the founder and CEO of Guide On and she helps to guide the next generation of veterans and military spouses through life's transitions in the work that she does and she works with organizations in that sense. So check the show notes and check the links and check the Facebook page for Guide On, right? Mhm. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. I I, I hope uh, you got something out of it. Absolutely. By oh. the way, there's I fa- I remembered another thing you have in common with Ashley. What? You love pierogies. Oh, I love pierogies. Well, she grew up with pierogies. Oh uh, yeah. I, I don't know if she loves them, but she grew up. Oh, she grew up with pierogies. Them. I love pierogies. I know it's you love pierogies. Just an excuse for butter. <laughs> Interesting. So well for me. So anyway. Anyhow. Anyway. So another week in the books. That's right. We're wrapping up the year. And I hope that you have a beautiful holiday season and stay tuned for uh, a special episode of the Casa of the Confidence. And if you are looking to set up goals for the new year and you're not sure where you want to go and what to do, check us out at Julie at Go Confidently Coaching and GoConfidentlyCoaching.com. I am happy to help you figure out how to make the best out of 2021. And remember, go confidently in the direction, in the direction of, your dreams. of your dreams. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go confidently in the direction of your dreams.
everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey. And I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all. But the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's Mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.